0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Hey, man. we're going to be talking tonight about, about how, to, how, how to pray so you'll know the plan of God for your life. I want to show you a book before we get into the word called Following God's Plan for Your Life. Following God's Plan for Your Life. I highly recommend this book for anybody that doesn't have it. I it's been out for about probably I imagine thirty, thirty five years or so. But anyway, it Brother Hagan to me is the best Bible teacher there ever was next to Jesus. He's just such an awesome teacher. But that book there over the over the course of the last man many decades, I've pulled that my copy of that out and I wrote written notes in it and went through it and went through it and went through it to help me uh fine-tune my life to check myself out, especially when I'm making major decisions in life. You know, sometimes sometimes in life, it seems like you come up against a wall. You know, there's something that needs to change, something you need to do, and you try to figure it out, you try to pray it out, but the Holy Spirit wants to show you so you can walk it out. And Brother Hagin teaches some excellent things in this book here. As a matter of fact, he opens up the Scripture we're going to be using tonight when I open up. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 and 12. How many here are familiar with that verse? I know some of you even have it on your shirts. They got shirts they sell in the bookstore. I think it has Jeremiah 29, 11 and 12 in it. But Jeremiah 29 verse 11 and 12, I want to give you a chance to get there. I'm going to look at it in David's translation, Pastor Dave that is. In other words, the NLT, the New Living Translation. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 and 12 in the New Living Translation. And it says it this way. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Well, you know, what we're going to be looking at tonight is it, it, it's one thing that God knows the plans. But that doesn't help you unless you know the plan. Did you ever think about that? You know, I, I think about, uh, you know, in a marriage. Sometimes I've got a plan about things you want to do, but if I don't share with Mrs. Pastor, we can't work together. And sometimes she has a plan. I say, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, it's a good plan. I say, yeah, but it affects me. I need to know the plan too. We need to know the plan and be able to, to work together with it. And so God says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for good and not for disaster. That tells me that in our lives, the times that we crash and things turn out disastrous, either we were following the wrong plan, or maybe we knew the plan, and we still wasn't lined up with the plan. Because God said, His plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And the things that we're going to look at tonight should absolutely take the fear of the future away from your life. You should have no fear for the future. At verse 12, he says, In those days, what days? Well, the days when you what know what the plan is. In those days when you pray, in those days when you pray, when you pray, I will listen. And that's what we're looking at tonight about how to pray the right way to know what what prayer you pray, how to pray it, so God can show you the plan. And you know, as as I'm as I was looking at that thinking about the uh, fear of the future type thing, I am I I reminded of that story that I've I have i have seen it on Facebook social media a few times about the little boy. Little boy riding in a train by himself, a little kid, wasn't very old, riding there, and going going on a long trip. And you know, people concerned about him. Hey little boy, hey little boy said, said, aren't you afraid? Said, you're by yourself, aren't you afraid? He said, no. Said, why not? He said, my daddy's the engineer. I think about this. The creator, the creator of everything there is lives in our hearts. The one that made everything and knows everything lives in us. First John four four says, Greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. Romans eight fourteen says we can be led by the Spirit of God. If we can be led by the Spirit of God, and the one that wrote the Word of God lives in us, then it would behoove us to be able to say in the Word of God what to do to be able to know that we're following His plan and do what He wants us to do. Amen. And so, I want you to notice a couple things here about the plan of God, knowing the plan. Number one, there's God's part. And then number two, there's our part. Our part, according to verse 12, is to pray. Pray in line with God's Word. And that's why we're going to look at the Word tonight to see how to pray so we can benefit off this verse. So our part is to pray in line with God's Word, and then God's part, just in my own uh, paraphrase, God says our future is bright. Because we'll know we'll be following His perfect will for our personal life. And this is critical, what I'm talking about here. There's a general will of God, which every born-again Christian should know with, you know, uh, what, what's that thing they say, duh. The Bible says go to church. That's the plan of God for everybody. You don't have to pray about it. Bible says don't forsake the seven saints together. It says come together. Bible says bring the tithe into the storehouse, which is the church. And so he's telling you right there again, come to church. And then he's telling you tithe. That's the general will of God. You don't ever, you do never have to pray, Lord, should I go to church? If something happens, you're in between churches, then you do need to pray, Lord, where is my church? You said, that's, I have to submit to the elders of my church. Lord, who's my church? Who's my elders? Who do you want to watch over my soul? And then Lord, you said, bring the tithe into the storehouse. And so I know that when I, when I was a young Christian, I knew that I started off in a church and the church was really starting, starting, starting to be pretty goofy. And I knew it was goofy. And so, I started looking for another church, but every Friday I got paid back then, every Friday when I got paid, in my checking account, I left 10% tithe in my account. And then, a few months later, I finally knew, checking out churches, praying, seeing where to go, I went into a church, so as I walked in, and as soon as I heard that man of God preaching, in my heart, I knew this is what I've been praying for. He was a Word of Faith pastor, I was looking for somebody that that preached and taught like Brother Hagin, And this guy was preaching to teach. I thought, man, this is what I've been listening to. This is what I've been praying for. And so I reached in my pocket. I pulled out my checkbook. I wrote out a pretty good-sized check because it had had every tithe that I owed God for the last few months. The churches that I visited, I put offerings in, but I knew they weren't my storehouse. And so I saved the tithe back and gave offerings other places. Then I sat there, and I was so excited. As soon as I heard that man preaching... before they did an offering, I reached in my pocket and I wrote the name of that church on there. And then I wrote out the tithe for what it was supposed to be what I'd been holding back. And you know what that's called? That's called walking in the will of God. Because church, tithing, and then walking in love and turning the other cheek. That's the general will of God. The Bible spells out the will of God in just things Christians do. If you're a Christian... You don't cuss anymore. And can I I say something just to say something? There's things now that some Christians think it's acceptable to say that when I got born again 41 years ago, they were cuss words. They're still cuss words. Except because of watching too much TV, too many videos about different things, and hearing too many people talk and use those words over and over, you don't know that you're saying wrong things. Amen. Bible says you shouldn't say those nasty words. And then, you know, there's lots of things that I think that we've been desensitized to in modern times that the Bible tells us very specifically, that's not the will of God. It tells us what the will of God is. And so that's not what I'm talking about tonight. So, all Christians should know from the Bible, if they go to church, got a pastor teaches the Word of God, if they read their own Bibles and things, they should know the general will of God, that's God's will for everybody. What I'm talking about tonight is this. Like when Mrs. Pastor and I moved from Indiana to California, that wasn't written in the Bible, that we're supposed to uproot everything. I was 54 years old. I'd lived there all of my life. Raised my kids there. Still had kids there. Had grandkids there. Had a dad and mom there were in a nursing home, etc., etc. But we had to find out when God's going to do something big in our life. Wow, we can't we can't afford to miss. You know, this church out in California wants us to come, they're paying a one way move. So we're putting all of our stuff, everything we've got, and we're moving one way. If we miss God, who's going to pay to get us back? Amen. And so we're talking about things like jobs. I know there's some of you here now that you're looking to God about jobs and things. i tell you what, it's a terrible thing to quit a job. That at least, you know, it may not be the best paying job right now, but it's, it's a job that God's got you at and you're being taken care of to quit that for something else. I, I know a pastor that did that one time before he was a pastor. And man, he paid a serious price for that one. Wow. Back in 1985... Uh, I went the wrong direction on jobs, thought I was going to be moving up the ladder. <laughs> I, I thought, I thought a job that I was working on, I thought I was working, I thought I was working for the devil. And then when I quit that one and went to the next, I found out who the real devil was. Man, it was rough. It was rough. And so I had to ride that one out for a year till I knew what to do next. And I made sure the next time I hit the mark. Amen. And that's what I've talked about in our lives. There's major decisions. And then, you know, people, I think about people that jump from marriage to marriage and do different things in the married arena. Because they think, this is God, this is God. And they think, wow, I thought the last was bad. Boy, this is a real winner. Well, you know, that's what God says in Jeremiah 29. He said, I know the plans I've got, and they're not for disaster. And so we want, we want to show you how not to have a disastrous life. So anyway, God said... His part, His plan's good, His plan's blessed, and you'll have a good future. He said, but your part is you pray. And so, uh, the question I want to look at in the Word of God is, so how do we pray to know the perfect will of God for our life? And I want you to look at Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 14. And the epistles... Uh, I, I think of a couple couple spirit, I call these spirit-given prayers. How many know that, that the Word of God was given by the Holy Spirit to men to write down? And so if there's prayers in the Word of God, I would call them spirit-inspired prayers. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. How to pray. And there's so many different ways to pray. But in the book of Ephesians, there's two prayers. Colossians got a prayer for believers. Philippians has got a prayer for believers. Uh, 1 Thessalonians got a prayer for believers. Plus, there's other, other 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 different ways tells you uh, how to pray for things. But Colossians chapter one verses nine to fourteen, for many years, has been my favorite prayer given by the Holy Spirit that I've prayed over my life, over my family, over my church people, over people that I love that are believers. This has been my favorite prayer to pray, and I've prayed this pretty frequently for years. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this prayer first of all, and then I'm gonna dissect it and show you how you can see from this prayer the plan of God for your life, how to, how the Holy Spirit can show it to you. So verse nine, he says this, for this cause we also, since we, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled. Now the original language of the, in the, in the Word of God, said this might be filled with the exact and precise knowledge, exact and precise knowledge of His will. Does that tell you right there? Right there, you're praying for the will of God, for His plan, of His will in all wisdom, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that we can walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. We're going to come back and look at those two verses specifically in detail in just a few minutes. But I'll tell you what, right there, there is so much said in those two verses there that that's enough you can live, live off of every day for the rest of your life and never miss God again. And then it says, "Be fruitful in every good work and increasing in the exact and precise knowledge of God increasing. How many want to grow and not become spiritually dense? How how many know there's so much about God, about the spiritual realm where where we actually, where we live and we function out of? There's so much more that we need to learn and know no matter how old we are in the Lord, how much we know. I think about how omnipotent, how all-knowing that Almighty God is and we're his sons and daughters. And how much we need to learn of him. Amen. Increasing in his exercise knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might. According to his glorious power. unto uh, all patience and long suffering. Patience and long suffering. With joyfulness. With joyfulness. And uh, because I'm not going to be looking at verse 11 again. I just want to go ahead and point out something to you. There must be a difference between patience and long-suffering, or he wouldn't say patience and long-suffering. And so what I've learned over the years is this. Patience is what you need to make it through tough times, tough situations. Long-suffering is what you need not to blow up on troublemakers, troubled people. You know, there's some people, even Christians, that think they got a call from God just to make your life rough? Have you ever met any these people, even Christians? Well, good morning. It's a great day, isn't it? What's great about it? Well, isn't this wonderful? Well, what's wonderful about it? How come you're always smiling? How come you never have any problems? Get up. Well, isn't it great the sun rose today? No, it didn't. Oh, have you ever been around right by like that? No matter what you say, you say the same thing you said yesterday. They didn't like, so today you say what they liked yesterday, so they like it today. And day they don't like it, and no matter what you do, and you know, I think I think about that, especially when you're in the workforce. You know, when you when you're working for a living. I remember I was in trucking for a long time. When when, when you go in, there's some people because you get a paycheck, you have to clock in with them. You can't run. You gotta stay there. You have to work with them, and that's why you need long suffering. But, but I want you to notice the difference between where the world suffers long and Christians do, he said, with joyfulness. That means you can still come in singing. You can still come in smiling. You can still come in, this is the day the Lord has made, I do rejoice and I'm glad in it. That, 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 that's, that's, that's strength from the Lord to enable you to do those things. Giving thanks unto the Father who has qualified us, King James has made us meet, but qualified us to be partakers or to take portions of the inheritance, the inheritance of the saints in light. The inheritance of the saints in light. Do you know we have an inheritance? And this, this New Testament is the last will and testament of Jesus Christ, we've left it, we've got an inheritance through Him. We've, we have wealth through Him. We have health through Him. We have a good life through Him. The New Testament tells us our inheritance. And He says we can be partakers of, that means to take portions of. And so as we grow in the Lord, we more and more find out what belongs to us. And that's our inheritance. We find out that long life is ours. Healing and health is ours. Our children blessed. A while ago, uh, <laughs> I joked with with Mrs. Pastor. Pastor Dave was looking at Psalms 37, verse 25, 26. They talking about our children being blessings. I said, I have one in particular sometimes. That's the I said, you little blessing, you. <laughs> and they still joke about that. I told Mrs. Pastor, at least I was speaking the Word of God over this child. You blessing you? The Bible says you're a blessing. So you're a blessing. Amen. That's our inheritance for our children to be blessings. And then it says, <clears throat> and I love verse 13. Verse 13 is your deliverance verse. Who has delivered us. Is has delivered past tense, present tense, or future tense. If something's already happened, is that mean it's going to happen? It already has. It says he has delivered us from the authority of darkness. And so, if you're still looking for God to deliver you, make an adjustment in your confession. I thank you, Lord. I've already been delivered from the cigarettes. I thank you, Lord. I've delivered from cussing. I thank you, Lord. I've delivered from whatever it is you fill in the blank. If there's something that's had a stronghold on your life. And you know it's from the devil. You know it's not God. You know that you've got your own flesh you have to deal with. But you know that you're doing everything you can to take authority over your flesh. And you know, man, this is the devil. This is demons. They've got this stronghold on me. Oh, Lord, deliver me. Oh, Lord, deliver me. Stop it. Start saying what the Word of God says. Say, Satan, I've already been delivered from your authority. You have no authority in my life anymore. I've talked about your inheritance. Can't you see that from the Bible? <clears throat> God wants us to speak in line with the Word of God. And so I've seen people crying out and crying out for deliverance from alcohol or whatever else they, oh Lord delivery, oh Lord delivery. <clears throat> and if, if, if God, if God's talking to you where you're, uh, spiritual enough to hear Him, God's gonna say, I can't already have, receive it. I've already delivered you. And so we, we as children of God, have got to see what God's done for us. But in this prayer right here, that's why he said. Thank him that he's delivered us the authority of darkness. He's translated us in the kingdom of his dear son. We're already citizens of light. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. We're no longer citizens of the kingdom of darkness. Can you see that? And then he says, in whom we have redemption through his blood... Even the forgiveness. But in the Greek it says the remission. There's a difference between forgiveness and remission. Sinners need their sins remitted. That means wiped out to where there's no more record that you've ever been a sinner. God sees a brand new birth, your new creature in Christ. Christians need forgiveness. Sinners need remission. They need it wiped out. And so as Christians, if you miss it, And you do wrong, you need forgiveness. But right here, he's talking about the new birth. He said, our sins have been remitted. And in other translations, they say remitted. But this says forgiveness. And so, that's the prayer. I like to pray verse 9 through 14. But in praying about God's plan for your life, now, I want to go back to verse 9 and verse 10. And I want to break this apart. And listen really closely here. Especially... If you go through some serious decision making times right now and you're seeking God about his plan, what he wants you to be doing so that you hit a bullseye if you're aiming at the target. So he says, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, excuse me, do not cease, do not cease to pray for you and desire you might be filled with the exact and precise knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. <clears throat> and so God's wisdom is God's plan. So when you look at the wisdom of God, I always set up to say the plan of God. Because no matter what you're doing in life, if you're asking for wisdom, you're actually saying, what's the plan? And so it's, it says, He's praying for you to be filled with exact and precise knowledge of His plan. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, God said, "I've got a good plan." Jeremiah twenty nine twelve said, "You'll know the plan when you go and pray." And so, how do you pray? You pray for Colossians chapter one, verse nine. You say, "Father, I thank you. I thank you for filling me with the exact precise knowledge of your will and your plan." And so the first step, the first step in beginning to walk out the perfect will of God and plan for your life is to ask God for his wisdom. Ask God for His plan. And He already said, He already said, I know I've got a good plan. And then right here, Spirit of God inspired Paul to write down that we'd be filled with exact and precise knowledge of his will. And that plan and so, the number one thing is get the plan, and you get that by asking for it. And then number two, he says, as spiritual understanding. And so, spiritual understanding is simply know the steps to take to begin walking out the plan. You've got to know what step to take. I know there's been so many times in life, I've known, I've known God wants me to do this. But I couldn't do it till I knew what to do. There's been so many times that Mrs. Pastor and I have known something big that God wants doing our life that was a change. And when your spiritual leaders, especially leaders of a church that's got people in it, when you make when you make when you burn bridges and step out to make changes and do things, it's not just your life that's affected, lots of other people involved. And so over the years. As, as a leader of a family, my family, I knew when I was making big choices, big decisions, have burning bridges behind me. I'm talking about changing jobs or cities or, or something we're doing. It's, it's really serious stuff and you don't want to miss God. And so when you know there's a change you need to make that God wants you to make, you don't want to get out ahead of him. And you don't want to make a false step because it's one thing. To know that God's got a plan that He wants you to start walking into its another thing to make it a right step not a false step. And Sonia, I think about you guys for what's going on in your life. That's, that's, That's really a big deal. Big, big deal. And so, that's what we're talking about right here. Number one, you don't just need the plan. Number two, you've got to know What's my first step? What do I do? And you know, I just want to say this, you know, if you're changing jobs, a lot of times uh, you better be really smart about when you leave one job. And something I've noticed, especially for young people, I've seen it happen time and time and time again, they don't realize... <clears throat> that when you go to another job, maybe even ten years down the road, they're going to check back how you left that job ten years ago. Amen. I know that for me, if I were hiring somebody and I see that everywhere they've went, they cussed the boss out on the way out the door, had this production line going, or some big sales deal going on, and all of a sudden, this person that was the key player in it walked out the door and flipped them off on the way out the door. And they lost money. Lost business because the way they left the job. that I'm sure I'm going to hire them. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. And so, you know, even when God wants you to make a change in jobs, there's a right way to leave. I know that... Uh, Back back in the early 2000s when things were really really going bad for our church in Indiana, I'd been out of a truck for years, been a TV preacher and everything else. And man, we went through a lot of serious financial damage and other things in our church. And I had to start driving a truck at night time. But driving a truck, I tried to quit that job for at least two years before I finally did because that guy kept begging me and begging me to stay. And he'd change ours, change things, give me money and all kinds of stuff to make me stay and cut ours back. And finally, I had to walk into his office after trying to quit that job for two years because I'm still preaching all the time. I finally say, listen, I have to quit. You can't talk me into it this time because I'm in trouble with God if I don't. I said, i got to get myself back to full time doing what He wants me to do. And there's nothing you can say today that's going to keep me here. I really do love being in trucks. but I love more being in the will of God because I want to live a long time. And so, but what I'm saying is this, I went the extra mile and went the extra mile because I'd been driving trucks for a long time. Knew, knew I was good at it. Knew what I was doing. And I wasn't a thief. I didn't steal from them. And I didn't give customers a hard time. I mean, I, I, did, I did the company good because I bore such good fruit as a Christian. They wanted me. And so although I knew I had to get out of there and do what God wanted me to do all the way again, I stuck with it. And so I'm telling you, sometimes... Sometimes, when God wants to change you to something else, make sure, make sure how you burn that bridge behind you. Because there might come a day, there might come a day, you need that one back even. Amen. And so, and so he says, as spiritual understanding, so that's to know the steps to take to achieve the plan. So when you get the plan, and, you know, it might be buying a house. It might be, a marriage. It might be you're really considering marrying somebody and you're both praying about things like that. Well you gotta know the steps, how to what you gotta to do to do that right even. And then verse uh the the next part of this then says, verse ten, so that we can walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. And you walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, with number one, you know the plan. And then number two, you know the steps. Can you see what I'm saying? There's so many people that have the idea they could live where they want to live, work where they want to work, go to church where they want to go to church, and that they're their own Lord. Listen to how I'm preaching. The Holy Spirit through Paul in 2 Corinthians said, You're not your own. You're bought with a price. You belong to God. Do you know? Do you know what "Lord" means? "Lord" means master. That means the one that has rule over you. And so, if Jesus is going to be your your Lord, He wants to have some input in where you live. Do you know? Do you know how the Lord got us started in ministry? We were living in a six-bedroom farmhouse on eighty acres. In Hamlin County, Indiana. Really nice place. The Lord had us move into a little junky two-bedroom trailer down in Morgan County, Indiana. That had snakes in it sometimes. And we didn't know what He was doing in our life, but we knew we was being led by the Spirit of God, followed the plan of God, left a six-bedroom farmhouse. Live in a two-bedroom trailer. Uh, Davey, did you love your little bedroom that you shared with all those other kids? Our bedroom was so small that we had a full-size bed, but it touched all the walls. I'm glad that the one closet we had had sliding doors, because if we opened the door of that bedroom; it opened halfway and touched the bed. We had to get on our knees and crawl across the bed to the closet, slide the doors open. We was in that place about six months. And then God had us get a house that we got to buy at Pioneer Church. That was the start of our ministry as pastors. <clears throat> God said, "I've got a good plan for you, plans to prosper you, not to hurt you." But we do The first step was leave this six-bedroom farmhouse and live this little dumpy trailer. We don't live out of our heads, we live out of our hearts. We did not know. We did not know when we left that farmhouse, we were going to buy our own house in the woods, our dream house out there. We didn't know that coming from this place way up here to moving way down here in the southern part of the state, we was going to be pastors of a church. We didn't know that. But you know what we were doing? We went and prayed to be filled with the exact precise knowledge of His will. And Lord, what's the first step? And then I remember up there in our in our farmhouse, up there, Mrs. Pastor, I don't know, it's a picture off a calendar. She drew it or what? But anyway, we had this, it must have been off a calendar picture or something. It was a picture of this real beautiful place, which is what our house ended up looking like that we bought. Out in the woods, with snow in the yard, snow in the house. And a real, really beautiful place, smoke coming out of the chimney with the fireplace. And then we wrote this thing on there, a word God gave us. Sometimes you have to do what you don't really want to do. So you end up doing what you really want to do. That's kind of what it said. Sometimes you have to do what you don't want to do. So you end up doing what you really want to do. And we knew that was God talking to us. And so we did what he wanted us to do. We moved down there. And that started other things. I'm just saying right now, you can't measure in dollar and cents sometimes what God's doing in your life. Is it worth a big fat raise to get out of the will of God? So anyway, so we walk worthy of the Lord. And so, when making major serious decisions, you need to be praying this prayer. And you need to write things down. As God gives you little phrases, gives you other verses, shows you things, you need to write down. And if you're married... And if you're in a good Christian marriage, you both need to know the same thing because the Holy Ghost is not double-minded. He doesn't tell one person one thing and one another. Sometimes your picture and your spirit may be kind of fuzzy. That's why you take time to pray. And you be thankful and you worship Him. And so He says to walk worthy. And so what that means is this. When you know that you know in your heart you've seen the plan of God, you know what it is. Might be it might be such a thing as buying a car even. Or the house. It might be renting or buying. There's things you've got to know what the next step is. You may be renting one so you can buy it later. But you've got to know <clears throat> and to be able to take that step. Then once, once you take the step, it says you can walk worthy of him while pleasing. That means you actually have confidence. The word for confidence is faith. So when you're stepping out in serious decisions, when you've taken the time to Scripture line up with God, you know you've prayed, you know you're a child of God, you know you're not living in sin, you know you're tithing, you know you're walking in love, you're walking in faith, and you know when you make, make mistakes and miss it, you're quick to repent and ask for forgiveness. When you know you're walking you've heard Him, this says you can walk with confidence that you heard from God And you can put into action what you know you need to do to start going in the right direction so you can see God's plan for your future come to pass. And then I want you to notice the last thing I want you to see is this. Being fruitful. Being fruitful. Being fruitful in every good work. And what fruitful means from the Word of God is you're getting the desired results. If the Bible says you tithe, God rebukes the devourer. Witness heaven over on you. are blessed. That's fruit. God wants the devourer rebuked. He wants the witness of heaven's blessings on your life. That's fruit. If you're laying hands on the sick, sin people get healed. If you need healed, that's fruit. Amen. Train up your children the way you should go with their oath to not depart from it. That's fruit. That's called getting the desired results. If you got an apple tree... Should you see apples growing? And worms not eating them up? Amen. How do I know about that? We had a little apple orchard that dream house God blessed us with. We had apples, pears. Uh, It it was a great place. And now we got pistachios. It's nice to see fruit. And so if you're a Christian, there ought to be Christian fruit. And so when you're walking in the will of God, taking the right steps to accomplish that will, and you're pleasing Jesus, He said you'll be fruitful in every good work. Isn't that what we're after? Amen. And when you bear that kind of fruit then, you get the desired results, which means a future and a hope is good. The plan's good. The days of disaster are less and less and less and less common in your life to where people start look at you and you're not singing the old song, if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Amen. You change it to the New Living Translation. If it weren't for good blessings, I'd have no blessings at all. That's the way it works. Anyway, I hope that I put something in your heart tonight, in your understanding, know what to do. If you're seeking God, I really suggest you start praying up. Colossians chapter 1, especially verse 9 and verse 10, and don't make a false move. When you know, When you know what God wants you to do, head that direction. And then most of the time, you don't know step two until you take step one. And then all of a sudden, step one, things start open up more. Step two, the next thing you know, you're walking in it. And that's what he said, walking. Because that's what steps is. Step and step and then walking. He said you take the steps, then you're walking in the will of God. Amen. Pastor Dave. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.